is going on, everybody? My name is Gabe. And I'm Matt. And welcome to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about something that's uh, pretty cool. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and tell us about what we're going to be talking about today? Absolutely. So today we're actually talking about the new record and actually debut album, I should also state, of Scion. And the album is simply self-titled. Uh, released on November 26th of 2021. And I really want to emphasize this. This is an independent release. Mm-hmm. So the members of the band actually just funded this completely. Who is the band? Howard Jones makes another appearance here on the podcast. And then Jared Dines, uh, famous for being a YouTuber, does a lot of music stuff. Um, definitely would recommend checking him out. He memed um, his way into regular music, and I love that. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, let's just not waste any time, dude. Yeah, um, so right off the top of the, the, the cast here, I want to say I wasn't expecting to praise Howard Jones' voice again this year. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? Once is good. He did great. He did phenomenal in the Light the Torch album. No, apparently he's going to come back and do it again, and we're just going to be just oodling and ogling and oozing love for his voice. I just want to be very clear about that. I'm going to mention how amazing his voice is throughout the course of these songs. I am not sorry. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so this one's kind of long-awaited, especially when there was, like, rumors that they were that they were starting mm-hmm. to collaborate. They released The Blade a few months ago, and it was just kind of one of those things that we didn't realize it was going to be coming this soon. Mm-hmm. But I guess the pandemic really kind of helped along with yeah. that. Um, so yeah, the long-awaited debut for between the collaboration of Jared Dines and Howard Jones, and these boys did not disappoint whatsoever. Howard's vocals sound as good, if not better, than anything he's ever done. Uh, the production, composition, and flow of the album is on par and honestly makes this a solid release to begin closing out the year with. Yeah, I, no, I, was, I was very pleased with this recording. This record surpassed any expectations I had originally coming in. And I was going in based on what I had heard in the two singles leading up to it, which would have been The Blade and More Than Just Myself, just to kind of tease a couple songs. Drown was released as a single as well shortly before the album released. I think it was actually released same day. It's possible. Yeah, It was released with the music video. It might have been same day. Yeah, that sounds about right. But realistically, like... I listened to the whole record and it was an eight out of eight just immediately. And spoiler alert, it's an eight out of eight. I don't have the same feelings, but I'll get to those here in a, in a <laughs> while. Uh, <laughs> uh, musically, how are you feeling on this one? Dude, this one is, it's fantastic. And Jared Dines had actually stated, and I'm not sure the source, that with some of the music direction and specifically because of his influences, some of the songs instrumentally would sound like Killswitch Engage. I mean, he's working with Howard Jones, who was formerly in Killswitch. Um, I can see the resemblance, but this record feels unique enough to, to know that this is definitely not a Killswitch engage record by any way shape or form i gotta point out jared's ability to play guitar in the way he does is unreal and then you have howard who's just that basically they're just a dynamite duo there's no if ands or buts about it Mm -hmm. yeah so musically the album is super solid uh as mentioned before howard's vocals are top tier the obvious shining point of the album the instruments are all done by jared dines and are just solid and in flavor for the album throughout the course uh, it very much feels like it could be like a, a reasonable sequel to end of heartache mm-hmm. uh and and to to note uh with jared dines musical influence i mean as somebody i'm a few years younger than jared dines is mm-hmm. and as somebody who grew up playing music and and jared dines was kind of somebody that i i look to as like a just kind of a source for uh, not only funny music but just kind of like a way to enter myself into more broadened mm-hmm. aspects of, of musicality like i 100 get it because i mean i grew up on kill switch engage i grew up on trivium uh, on all these guys that are mm-hmm. like a major influence for him and so in 
listening to this record, a lot of these riffs sound like something that I would have written myself. Yeah. And, and obviously not to the exact specifications that these riffs are, but like I, I 100% see the, um, the influence from it mm-hmm. and exactly understand where he's coming from. Um, I, I do feel like listening to this record, I was longing a bit more from the instruments just because I have followed Jared for years mm-hmm. and I know what he's capable of, but he didn't slack on anything on release. I was just hoping for a little bit more. Yeah. There, there are a few points where he does really let loose. I just wish it happened more. Yeah. No, and, and I, I do feel like Howard really let loose on some of these songs. Like he's, he's attacking this microphone with such <laughs> ferocity that I've never heard from him before. It's, it was, it was almost scary. Some of the noises he's made. And oh, it was I, I'm in a, I'm in a, si- in a situation like you where I, I grew up listening to kill switch engage. My really first two big metalcore bands were kill switch engage and all that remains. So mm-hmm. kind of a, a similar vein, similar time frame uh, that they were bringing music out and, this is the sounds that Howard was making was nothing like anything I've ever heard. And I think he, we see probably the widest his range has ever been in his musical career. And yep. I, I have to shout it out both his cleans and his own cleans. Yeah, exactly. To, to definitely note here, uh, moving on, how are you feeling lyrically about the album? I really like the lyrics on this one. So you can definitely get this vibe of like a very darkness to the record, but also a lightness lyrically. Uh, There's songs like More Than Just Myself, which seems to be almost an ascension over something. And then you've got songs like Drown in the Worst Way, which seems more like a succumbing to something, regardless of how much it'll end up killing you. And it's not extravagant in regards to the words that were used. So it wasn't where... I can't think of a band offhand where they kind of intentionally will throw bigger words in to try and kind of try to paint a different picture. I mean, but early trivium is a prime example of that. <laughs> trivium is a, a really good one, but this tells the story really clearly and feels like it has the heart behind it. Yeah, uh, there there's definitely general themes of just kind of being an underdog. Uh, a lot of reference to an undetermined third party by the, uh, that the narrator, presumably Jones or, or Dines, mm-hmm. uh, seems to be facing. And many of the songs seem to present a general direction of rising up against this force. Um, as you mentioned, none of these are really like lyrically intricate by any means. It mm-hmm. sounds like what would have come out of Kill Switch. It sounds like what it would have come out of Light the Torch. Yep. Uh, it's not bad by any means. I just and I, I want to stress that. Very much so. Like the, the lyric, the the lyrical content content of this album is really good. It's just relatively generic, and I don't mean generic in the way that like love songs can be really generic and have mm-hmm. no meaning. Because these songs definitely have meaning and they have feeling and they can definitely evoke that kind of emotion. They just don't have um, a specificity is lacking. I guess yeah. would be the best way to put it. And that's not a bad thing. It's just something to note. For yeah, no, absolutely, and. So with the album artwork is we look around the edges and it looks kind of like a uh, frayed paper uh, along with this black background and it appears to be just blackened earth and above it is actually what appears to be roses covered in this blackened earth but the the red is kind of peeking out and it almost looks like it's a really like hot fiery red uh, and then we also have the band name as well as the album name sit uh probably top left corner and we see one of them is going to be a solid white and then the name one of the names is actually just the white border around the the letters so yeah it's, they're kind of overlapped on each other mm-hmm. so it's a little difficult to explain so i do recommend checking it out um yeah i i kind of saw it like a 
like ash covering yeah. the roses, and the roses were what was on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing to note, I accidentally discovered this, and I think the name has to do with a League of Legends character by the same name. I think so. I actually was saw that as I was trying to pull up the album picture. Mm-hmm. Is one of the sources, and I think it might have been Howard or Jared um, on Instagram. Is Scion is actually Howard's middle name? Oh. Now, if you want to continue to provide your thoughts on the artwork, I can see if I can try and confirm that information. Yeah, go ahead and try and clarify that because, yeah. like, when I so when I was looking at the band, um, I was. I forget what exactly I was trying to pick or, uh, pull up, mm-hmm. but I just typed in Scion because, you know, it, it, it's a unique name. Yeah. I didn't expect anybody else to, to really do anything on it. I type in Scion in the op pups like this guy with the same general, like, color scheme of everything called Scion, the, the bloated something or whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't play League of Legends, so I don't really know. Yeah. But that, that's just what I happened to catch. I'm like, huh, maybe they're related. I don't know. So um, I did confirm Howard posted it on Instagram and he had actually put in the post when he was just kind of giving a quick thanks to everyone involved with the album. And he said, growing up, the only time I heard my middle name was when my mother was angry and yelling at me to have Scion attached to this project. Hilarious. Um, so it, mm. it, so that's actually really, really cool. It's just that, that extra little touch to it that I have. I, I have to appreciate that. That, that is kind of cool. Oh, well, now I know, and we can ignore the League of Legends thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go ahead and move into the track by track now, where we're going to break down the album track by track, as Matt likes to say. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Matt, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the Blade? So this is the first single that was released, and what a way to not only introduce the band, but introduce the record. Immediately, we're hitting the gut with really just this hammer of disgusting. And Jared provides this heavy, almost genty riff under, honestly, the the heaviest I think I've ever heard Howard. And the cool thing about this is the two don't, don't just go heavy. Jared makes the guitar sing in a way that hits the same way that some of Eddie Van Halen's playing does. And I also want to note, Jared Dines is hugely influenced by Eddie Van Halen. I didn't get the Van Halen vibes, but maybe that's just because I don't really listen to Van Halen. Yeah, I, and that, I think that's definitely just a contrast between you and I, because I'm very much a big Van Halen fan. I grew up on them quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Like Matt said, like it, they they waste no time in bringing in the heat. We have kind of like this low techno intro before like the full out drive of the song. Um, Howard screams and the bludgeoning of the drums and guitars is just unparalleled and we get kind of like this neat smattering of electronic elements throughout the song and it's for sure a banger Mm -hmm. now drown the second song here on the record is kind of a major shift in sound it is it's kind of an interesting that uh, interesting movement that they chose to put this as the second song Mm -hmm. it's a good song and by no means am i saying that it's bad i just feel like it was kind of an interesting placement for it yeah um but yeah, th- this one kind of tones it down a bit. It has a really cool soaring chorus that we've come to expect from really anything that Howard does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also got just like a really cool groovy riff to it as well. Um, it's also really prevalent in this song, but it's something to note throughout this entire album is how much the bass is pushed in the mix. Excuse me, the bass guitar specifically. And um, it's really relieving to hear is often like the bass is just hidden in the mix. Mm-hmm. 
And the breakdown is also just a really note in this song. Yeah. So, and uh, I also want to make sure to note that this is single number three, and it was released around the time that the record was dropped. Uh, I have to say, this is probably my least favorite of the singles, personally. Um, again, we get Howard just serenading us in a song that's actually heartbreaking in a way. I love the chorus, and I he could just sing me a lullaby, honestly. Like, his his voice is like a hot knife through butter. Yeah, I, I do agree with you that it's my least favorite of the three singles, but that's just because The Blade and the next song, More Than Just Myself, are just unreal. Absolutely, and um, honestly, again, just a major pullback from the previous song. Let's just get into More Than Just Myself. <laughs> favorite of the singles, absolutely, without a doubt. This is one of my favorite. It doesn't take my top. But uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute okay. as well. But yeah, it, it is a phenomenal song. Um, it's one of my tops on the record. It's everything that you would need to show someone to explain what Scion is. Mm -hmm. It's sick riffs, crazy good screams, a soaring chorus, and a super dope breakdown. Uh, the song has kind of like this very uplifting, powerful feel to it. And the pre-breakdown bits are cool. And I just I just love the song. In yeah. case you can't tell. <laughs> this, one, this song grabbed my attention just immediately. Uh, it's a return to the heavy material. And we're hit with the groovy riff that just absolutely fills the room. Vice, I'm sorry. Verses are hype. Chorus soars in a way that I don't know that I've ever heard before. And then the breakdown. The breakdown. <laughs> like, and where a lot of bands will kind of do that dun-dun. Dun, 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 dun. This one, it was a groovier riff. It was a little it, bit it, more of a dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it felt a mo lot more kind of like akin to like Bleed by Meshuggah. Yeah, exactly. And not the, quite uh, as disgusting and nasty and and, mm -hmm. and eventually boring. <laughs> <laughs> but like this, it ha it just is the right amount to it. Yeah, and, and yeah, then I, I also like have it. to give a shout out to the electronics that come in about halfway through the yes. breakdown. It just at that just pepper pepper. <laughs> Next one is The Worst Way. This one's a lot more ballad-esque of a song. Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me a lot of like Demon Hunter softer stuff or Trivium softer stuff even. Uh, knowing Jared, and as I mentioned this before, I like knowing Jared Dine's taste in music and overall just his background, Like I definitely can understand and see the connection there as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think this song is definitely going to be one of the lesser popular songs on the album, but that it, it's not a bad song by any means. I feel like it just happens to be sandwiched in between two amazing songs. Yeah. And I feel like it's just going to lose out as a result of that. Mm -hmm. I really, I, I really do like this song. It doesn't fall there. I think just because of that same syndrome. Yeah. And that happens a few times. I'm, I'm not, while I like a lot of the album, I feel like the way that they chose to arrange it was for lack of a better term off. Okay. And just the, for me personally, I can't obviously state that for anybody else listening to the record, but I feel like the the way that they chose to kind of have the record go, I feel like it was too much up then down and then up and then down and then up yeah. and then down instead of kind of this gradual movement, whether that's movement going up and kind of this hill or have this valley moment and mm -hmm. then coming back up. And you, you kind of... Um explained exactly what I was going to say is we're continuing to, continuing to see this pattern of the ups and downs kind of with the record. And I actually thought it was kind of neat just the way they did it because it was where some records is you just get that hit, just hit with that hammer and then they just keep doing it. And then they finally back off as it's like, 
you get punched in the gut and then they back off and then they punch you in the gut and they back off. And that you get that a lot here. This song actually stuck out a lot for me. Um, again, I felt like it, I actually really like the placement of this one. Uh, we get a, it starts with this distant sounding Howard before he again, just continues to serenade us with his voice. Jared feels like he's very held back, but he's complimenting Howard in a way here that just makes the song work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're going to come into what is my favorite song on the record. Really? Buried Alive and Wide Awake. Oh, this is a good one, though. So, yeah, as I mentioned, speaking of Sandwich Between Bangers, like, this song is certified banger. Mm -hmm. uh, front to back, this song slaps and is also just, yeah, I, I, I have in my notes here that it's a contender for my favorite song. Nah, it, it's just my favorite song. It's just straight up. Okay. Um, it does drop down on the bridge, which adds a nice song, a nice touch to the song from a dynamic standpoint. And then we get a small solo in the song. And I do wish that Dines had gone all out because I know he can tread like a maniac. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he just was holding back for the sake of the song. Yeah. And he, he does let loose in a few songs later on. Um, yeah, man, this, this this song, I just, I love it so much. Yeah. No, and it, it's so groovy riffs open this up with Howard going absolutely mental. And it, again, this is one of those songs that absolutely wastes no time. And though it's not blistering speeds, we're treated to some really nice heavy material in both, not only the instruments, but also the vocals. So we get just all of it pushed to the front and it's nice to hear the chorus doesn't feel wrong in any way here being just such a stark contrast from the heaviness we had been treated to for really the other parts of the song i had to replay this solo at the end oh, yeah. when i was actually when i was listening to this record not casually and i actually just paid attention specifically to that solo it hit and i'm like nope we're gonna we're gonna back that yep. up it, it's <laughs> it's just that's the kind of guitar playing that just hits me in mm -hmm. in the right spot. Yeah, the the solo was played from emotion instead of technicality, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's missing a lot in in modern metal. Yeah, and um, I, I and that's why like th this one falls in my favorites because even though like I, I like I said I do wish that Jared had shredded a little bit more, mm -hmm. I still like really respect the decision not to in yeah. this particular song. And technicality is great. It's nice to be able to hear when people are able to play at a a furious level and just being able to show off their capability, but being able to play technical, but also have that heart behind it is a completely different ball game. Now the next song skyfall, which I'm actually almost a little sad. Isn't a cover of Adele's skyfall, but all joking aside, I'm a big fan of this, Be, but even though it is slower material, this song gets to see Jared open up a little bit more compared to Drown in the Worst Way, which honestly made me quite happy. Yeah, this one here I feel like is going to fall in the same situation that Drown in the Worst Way is, mm -hmm. uh, just that it's kind of coming off the high of this front half of the album as yeah. we go towards the mid and towards the end of the album. I feel like it's just going to get kind of forgotten, which is unfortunate because this one here honestly i think is jones's best vocal performance in his cleans uh it it, it obviously has the normal soaring uh chorus that we expect to hear from him but the layering on the vocal phrasing that they do is something that i feel like is just not to be ignored mm -hmm. and so I, I definitely recommend going back and listening to that particular uh song specifically and paying attention to the vocals and the layering underneath the vocals mm -hmm. because it is something that i feel like is going to be left out when people are looking into this album and and reviewing it like we are yeah i i can agree with that also bass <laughs> bum, ba -dum, bum, bum. 
I don't know. B- b- better base than that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have anything further, do you? No. All right, so then we go into Endless War. Uh, this one probably falls under me, underneath my least favorite on the album. This this is kind of the same thing for me. In Casual Listens, this song just seems to get glossed over a lot. It's one of the weakest songs, in my opinion. It gets heavy quick, but it feels a lot more like a rock core song in most of it. Mm-hmm. it. It's a pleasant way to break up the record to show the more styles that these guys are able to do, and it feels it feels like at this point we're starting to get less of that like peaks and valleys as we've gotten already and it's starting to kind of almost round itself out and we're we're feeling getting a better flow yeah yeah i I do agree with that but like you said like this one here just does not catch my attention Mm -hmm. on like active listening to it it the chorus really isn't that great to me mm-hmm. in comparison with the other chorus that we received. It's yeah, not a no, bad song. Absolutely. It's just, there's always going to be lows on an album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really have anything further on this no. one either. Um, we'll go ahead and go into a constant reminder. Matt, why don't you go ahead and take us on this one? <laughs> Somebody turned on the jet engines because <laughs> we go in fast boys. I wasn't ready for this. And when I, when I listened to the wreck, I, so let me start that sentence over. I wasn't ready for this. And I've listened to this record. I don't know how many times, but when I actually was, again, listening to it not casually, I'm sitting there and I was like, oh, yeah, this is fine. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Howard screaming in this is just demonic. And I, I'm all for the nasty noises. And the guitar, I, this guitar solo <laughs> just sings so the, this guitar solo is the most jared dines guitar solo on this album mm-hmm. and, and not to say that like he doesn't sound like himself on the other songs but like this one here as somebody who has listened to jared dines and like his shred wars and mm-hmm. his uh year-end longest shred collab ever oh, those yeah. kind of things this one here speaks to being jared dines the most just mm-hmm. in his his stylistic playing yeah just like if you were to hear me play a solo like you're gonna hear a lot more blues elements come into it or you uh listen to uh, somebody like Matt Hafey, and you're going to hear a lot more dad rock come into his. Mm-hmm. Like it, this one here, just sounds like Jared Dines. Yeah, and I I love that for that for that reason alone. Um, this song it starts out super nasty. It's definitely a pit opener. It gives off like really big end of heartache vibes for me. Um, it's another on my top list of songs for sure. And uh, yeah, the the breakdown here is super groovy, groovy and his, Howard's screams are just borderline manic. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, I wasn't really planning on doing this much praise for Howard Jones's voice again this year, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> uh, then we go into something to live for. More jets. Oh my God! More out the demons. gates, this song is nuts. <laughs> More heavy. Let's go. Howard screams are just well above the high average this album has put forth. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the chorus ruins the song for me. Really? It does. It just, everything about the rest of the song is just this crazy blast uh, of sound. And then the chorus just brings it down and it feels out of place. Okay. That makes sense. And man, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. I literally, my notes is literally exactly the stuff I was just yelling. More jets, more demons, more heavy. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, th- this one here is one of my favorite instrumentally, but it just mm-hmm. unfortunately hindered the chorus and hinders the song too much to really put it in my favorites. That's fair. One song I will have to say is it kind of runs as a contender for favorite here on the record is actually great deceiver Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of this one and every time i listen to this record 
this one always gets me. I, I love the variance of, in, that the song provides. It gives the heavy, but also that much more mellow material that we've gotten sprinkled throughout, whether it be in some of the heavier songs or just the the much more ballady, much more um, like slower material. I think the breakdown in this might be one of the nastiest things I've ever heard. Like, there's something about it that just hits different. I'll argue with that in the next song. But, um, yeah, with this one here, it has a very groovy, almost genty vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first, uh, after the first chords, it gets really nasty and really mm-hmm. heavy. Uh, this one here stands out on the record just due to the changeup in the instrumental style of the song. Uh, it's also a certified banger, but like this one here, whereas the rest of them have been kind of this more uh, light the torch, uh, kill switch engage kind of vibe to mm-hmm. it. This one here branches out a little bit more and adds a little bit more technicality in terms of the instruments. I, and I, I appreciate that change up. I wish we would just would have seen a little bit more of it throughout yeah, the Okay, record. that's fair. So after you've brought up about the certified banger a couple times, I have an idea. Okay. What if we get a stamp? That has the Tentacle Bop logo, but it says Certified Banger on it. Because we could give it the Tentacle Bop Certified Banger approval. I have to find a stamp place to, to make that. And it, logistical things that we'll talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead and move on into the Dying of the Light. We get some dummy thick blast beats in the beginning of this one. Okay, so as I was listening to this record... Let me let me walk you through the the picture that kind of popped up in my head. Okay. Imagine driving a car. Okay. And you're driving it hypothetically towards a cliff. This is one of those songs. I wouldn't do that. No. This is one <laughs> this is one of those songs that makes me think Howard and Jared are driving this car and they're basically playing chicken. Like there's 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 no you would think that there wasn't the end of this record in sight with this song. Like there they I see what you're getting at now and now yep. I, now I understand your metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> These guys go hard. Yes. And I mean again, Jared's laying down the thick riffage as we've seen quite a bit on this record. Howard just continues to do what he has done throughout the rest of this record. And unlike what's happened with some of the records that I've listened to this year just for the podcast, I didn't feel fatigued, even though it felt, you know, there was a lot of, if you look at some of the compositions just in, maybe not so much the instrumentals itself, but kind of the, I know, I know exactly, I can picture it in my head, the, the composition of the songs felt like they were kind of the same song structures in a way. But this song seemed to do that in a way, and the rest of the record was able to do that in a way that I never felt fatigued. I never got that listener, like, oh, it's another song that does this. Oh, it's another mm-hmm. song. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. that, that that's definitely like, something that I felt as well. Like, I mm-hmm. never felt like I was just trying to get through this record. It was always just, a, oh, the record's already done, and now mm-hmm. i got to go back over and start it over. Yep. And yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, this one here, I feel like falls to kind of the same issue that Something to Live For fell for, mm-hmm. where it's everything else around the, the chorus is a super crazy, super manic, but then the choruses just kind of take it back a little too mm-hmm. much. Um, so that, that's my really only complaint with this one. The breakdown in this song is devastating. Um, it starts with the feedback noises and super grungy bass before this grimy, sludgy chug that hasn't really been present on the album up to this point. It's 100% the claim to fame for this song, even mm-hmm. even though it just closes it out. Like, yeah. it, it is disgusting. 
disgusting. And that's why this one is better than Great Deceiver. <laughs> okay. Just, I, just, in terms yeah. of breakdowns specifically. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The, I'm gonna the, have to I'm gonna have to re-listen to the breakdown on that one because for some reason is I am not remembering it offhand, but it's I'll, I'll just need to listen to it. It was just it this very again. nasty deathcore inspired breakdown. Mm-hmm. And that it just really hasn't been present on this album up mm-hmm. to this point. Now let's talk about Whiplash, because they're stopping that car. Oh my god. Inside the hollow is the final song on this record. Gabe hit me. So closing the track on this album, this one just feels really there. Mm-hmm. It, it and, and I don't mean that in a good way. Like it, it feels like they just needed something slower to close it out and like unrelated to personal meaning and lyrical content. It just doesn't feel very genuine. Okay. It just feels like a very basic run-of-the-mill song that they just like, okay, well, we have this idea. Let's just go ahead and run with it kind of okay. thing. And um, that, that's, that's my big issue with this one. This song left me wanting a little bit more, and I didn't feel like it was really a great closer for the album. Okay. I don't know that it's wrong to have on the album, but I feel like if they had maybe placed it and ended with something like Dying of the Light, I feel like that might have been a better choice. That's fair. And yeah, th- this one here, it just, it left a, a, I don't want to say it didn't leave a great taste, but it just left me wanting more from the album at the end of it. The problem is, is if they ended with Dying of the Light, we're driving off the cliff, though. Eh, that's fine. I'm, <laughs> I, I've lived a good life. That's fair. <laughs> so I, the opening guitar on this one, honestly, I was like, okay, we're in for a feels fest. And I, I kind of have disagreeing thoughts with you on this one, is I felt like it was a really pretty way to close out the record that really has been nothing but just mad throughout the rest of it. I think I would have preferred it if the whole song was just acoustic. That's fair. Um, but I I personally completely support this as a as a closer to the record. Because if you listen to the record on repeat, is in a way this song actually kind of feeds back into the blade in a weird way, which I, I had to kind of be like, that's actually kind of cool. I did not hear that portion of it. But if that's the case, that is kind of cool. Yeah. I, I always like and, it when that kind of thing happens. And I don't know if it was like an intentional thing, but it just, as I was listening to it, because I had the record just on repeat, is it felt like it was just a smooth transition. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel like there was like, oh, okay, here's the end of the record. It's just like, oh, we're back to the beginning. So it, it's just kind of one of those things. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, that is going to do it over a track-by-track breakdown of the self-titled album by Scion. And uh, Matt, you alluded before that it is an 8 out of 8 for you. Why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit more about your decision to make it that rating? To be completely honest, I have three words. No words needed. It it was just that good for me. I I listened to it the first time and it exceeded my expectations that were already pretty high just based off those first two singles, mm-hmm. and it was still able to surpass it. I I just kind of sat there and I was like, I'm I'm not gonna fight it. It's just gonna get an eight out from me. To be completely honest, fair enough. Uh, this one here is gonna sit at about six out of eight for me. Really? The album is still, it's good the whole way through. Like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Nothing about the album is really wrong in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really comes down to personal preferences. That's understandable. The the arrangement of the album is not something that I personally would have done. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a lot of, uh, I I guess, reason behind why they did how they did it. Okay. Because if I could see that a little bit more, then maybe I would be able to understand it. Uh, it, it kind of like uh, it flashing back all the way to the Architects record when they ended on uh, the the last song. I forget the name of it. It's mm-hmm. something about death. It's, yeah, but um, like where the way that they ended it because the whole album was kind of this ebb and flow between this pretty and not. And this one here, I feel like 
didn't do that a lot. Mm-hmm. It just jumped up and down. Yeah. In in kind of a more square wave fashion instead of this flow. I can I can see that. Um, it also instrumentally was never cookie cutter, but vocally was. Okay. And while I love Howard's vocals, I think he's one of the best metal vocals realistically of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely finds himself kind of in this same thing. And we saw this with kill switch and we see this with light the torch where it's, we have these, depending on the band, like we have these screamed and heavy verses and then just a soaring chorus and screamed and heavy verses and soaring chorus. And then mm-hmm. we either have a quiet, uh, breakdown or kind of like those edging breakdowns before it goes into this crazy bit yeah. or it just goes into a soaring breakdown and it, it, it's always one of a couple different things mm-hmm. and I just would like to see it branched out in that regard. Okay. And so I feel like, it, and, and that, that's a very small complaint. I want to be clear about that, but it's enough to just kind of bump the record down for me. That's By no fair. means is it a bad record. It is a solid release from them. I can't wait to see what they do in the future mm-hmm. as well as I can't wait to see what Matt from Trivium and uh, Jared Dines do. Yeah, I know that they've done a song already. That's right. I forgot that they did that because yeah. they're supposed. I think it's a, just an EP that they're planning on That's putting what I'm out, assuming, isn't it? Yeah. Just with how busy that they both are mm-hmm. at this point. But um, yeah, I, I just feel like it was not enough to push it up all the way for me. Yeah, that's fair. And to, so to be completely honest, as I was actually, expe- I wasn't expecting you to to have graded it as low as you did. Like you still. You still graded it pretty high, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I expected. I just didn't expect it to not be an eight, to be completely honest. It, it was really hard between a six and a seven for me. Okay. I don't, it, even if it weren't for the particular issues that I pointed out, I don't know that it would have been an eight for me mm-hmm. just because I needed something a little bit more from it mm-hmm. because everything that these guys did, it doesn't really push boundaries. Yeah. It's just something cool that two really great musicians got together and did. It's kind of like a, and not not exactly comparison comparing, but like um what uh, uh Tom Barber and the guy from Emir did. We did this. Oh, earlier. um Darko. Yeah, Darko. Yeah, so it's kind of like what Darko did, like where it's these two musicians who got together, and while they were kind of pushing the envelope, that's kind of why it was a little bit more interesting to listen to, mm-hmm. despite the fact that we didn't give it a great rating because of the issues that we had with that album. Yeah, but it's just kind of that same concept where these two guys here, they're both phenomenal. Howard Jones is one of the as I mentioned, one of the greatest metal vocalists, mm-hmm. Jared Dines is a phenomenal instrumentalist. Absolutely, I mean, he, is. he the, the guy can do it literally at all and do it better than most other bands. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there was something missing. Yeah, and so uh, as you kind of had brought up about Matt Heafy doing the um, collaboration with Jared Dines that I completely forgot about, um, we're actually starting to see this collaboration where it's touring musicians so in howard's case or even matt heafy's case collaborating with youtube guys is another one that's supposed to be coming up is nick nocturnal is going to be doing a collaboration with phil labont of all that remains so this is something we're starting to see a lot more of and i think it's because jared dines is the first YouTube guitar, like YouTube musician to actually be featured on, I think it's Guitar World magazine. So 
there's there's a lot of credi- credibility just in his talent. And Nick, if you've seen any of his material, like he actually just did the video. Um, it was the top ten levels of modern metalcore, mm-hmm. which he did with Mike Stringer of Spirit Box. Mm-hmm. He's done multiple different things like that with other musicians in bands. I think he did one with Misha from Periphery, mm-hmm. and he just a bunch. So I think we're starting to now see kind of a shift into things. So we're actually starting to see those YouTube famous musicians starting to actually kind of get their feet a little bit more wet in, in, I think it's more of a untapped market for these other artists. Yeah. I I feel like that's more of what it is. It's Mm -hmm. these people seeing, Hey, Jared Dines has 2.9 million subscribers. Steve Mm -hmm. Terraberry has X amount of subscribers. Uh, Nick Nocturnal has this many subscribers. Mm -hmm. These are people that we can tap into to make our name more Mm well-known. And not to say that they're not being genuine about it, but like at the end of the day, like we are in a capitalist society. We are here to make money. And so, and not getting into my issues with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's that's a different podcast. Exactly. It's not a podcast that we're going to do because I'll just scream the whole time. Uh, But (laughs) so I feel like that that's kind of like what we're seeing here as well. And it's, them finally getting past the notion that, well, we worked from the ground up, sort of these YouTube artists, mm-hmm. and it's not like they just got on YouTube, played guitar, and now all of a sudden they're famous. Jared Dines is one of the hardest working people I know. Yeah. Steve Terryberry is one of the hardest working people I know. All, all of these, mu- uh, these guitarist musicians, they're all phenomenal guitarists. Mm-hmm. They have absolutely every credit to, every credit that they have, they earned. Yeah. And I feel like it's finally kind of crossing that stigma uh, between the two that you can just get famous on social media for making a dumb video. Because, uh, I mean, I, uh, full disclosure, Jared Dines has some stupid videos out there. He does. He and does. they're hilarious. Yeah. No, but and that's kind of what he was famous for in the early parts is just how much of a meme he was. Exactly. And it's one of those things where he f- was able to break out and and – break himself of that pigeonhole mm-hmm. and it's like uh nick nocturnal's doing the same thing i mean he's going on tour with either breather here soon yeah because uh, he joined up with sean's That's band right. and, and logan did. and mm-hmm. so they're going to be touring soon and he's breaking out and doing that with them and it's allowing him to even though he's more of a comedy channel it's allowing him to actually express himself as a musician because again by absolutely every right that man is a phenomenal guitarist yeah. And I feel like it's finally just coming to fruition that we're beginning to blur those lines. Mm -hmm. And especially with the, um, the help of like streamers, like Matt was one of the, Matt from Trivium was one of the biggest forefronts on the musicians that are streaming during Mm -hmm. COVID kind of thing. Cause he was doing that beforehand. Yep. He did his as a way to keep up his vocal regiment to prevent him from blowing out his voice again. Yeah. And so when, COVID happened and everything shut down. He already had a, f- a base following and that was able to help him keep it going throughout the course of that. And we see a lot of other uh, artists and a lot of other streamers doing the same thing and mm-hmm. kind of following that same format. And so I feel like the lines are finally becoming blurred yeah. to where even if you are a YouTube musician, then you can have a, a legitimate music uh a legitimate musical offering mm-hmm. or if you are a musician you can have a legitimate meme presence online yeah attack attack is another prime example like even though i'm not yeah. really a big fan of their newer stuff it's their meme game is on point on oh Facebook. Abso- absolutely 
But um, and then just the the last bit on that kind of tangent is just some additional musicians that have kind of crossed over into the Twitch streaming is Craig Mabbitt of Escape the Fate, Ronnie Radke of Falling in Reverse, uh, Mike, as well as Phil, both from All That Remains. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Danny Warsnop of Ask Alexandria, I know, was streaming for a while. I'm not sure if he's still continuing it, but I sure hope not. That man doesn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, you know, I and really Matt Heafy kind of just laid the groundwork, and these guys are were just kind of bored and trying to just make money while COVID was happening and they were just stuck at home. So, you know, props to them for doing that. But before we end up talking about that for another 20 minutes, we're going to jump into our hidden track where we talk about something in the realm of music. That's not particularly related to this album. Um, Mine's not going to be very long, so I'm That's actually let you. For it. Cool. <laughs> um, so I have three things that I want to bring up. Oh, or, God. Excuse me. Four things I want to bring up. First, <laughs> This last weekend, I got to see the Acacia Strain for their double header show, where the first night they played songs from Slow Decay and It Comes in Waves in full, mm-hmm. which they said they they had never planned on playing It Comes in Waves ever. And so this was just kind of one of those things where it was the timing was right. So mm-hmm. I got to see that. It was a beautiful experience to kind of see that. Uh, I got to meet Vince. He is a beautiful human being. Or excuse me, Vincent. He does not like being called Vince. Um, I apologize. But he is a beautiful human being. Um, he, I've never felt so cared for by a musician that I never knew before. That's awesome. It, it's super beautiful. He, he, he is just a magnificent human being. So is the rest of the band. I loved it. So it was the first night was It Comes in Waves in Full and then uh, Songs from Slow Decay, which is their most recent release. Mm-hmm. The second night was uh, Wormwood in its entirety, which was amazing. And then a, a couple songs from previous albums as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did one song off of each album that came before, so 3750 and Life is Very Long and Continent. Ooh, and it was Lord. super cool. Uh, that was a phenomenal show, phenomenal time. Uh, I can't thank him enough. Kublai Khan did great. Orthodox did great. Dying Wish was super cool. And uh, there was also a last-minute edition of uh, Momentum, I think it was. Okay. I, 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 it was a very last-minute edition, so, but they were super cool to see, too. Okay. Uh, second and third thing are two singles that were released today. First one was Levitate by Knuckle Puck. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Joe Taylor, the singer, really just it sounds like he's lost. And I, I, I don't want to say this. I, I don't want to say that he's lost his edge. He doesn't really provide much of an edge in this song, mm-hmm. and it just feels like a boring pop punk song. Oh, okay. Um, that's really all I'm going to say to that. The new Three Days Grace song, So Called Life. Oh, my God, this song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then just to, just to preface is we are recording on a Wednesday, so just to clarify for release dates. Yes, yeah, yeah. We're recording the re- Wednesday before this uh, album, or the, this podcast releases. Um, so Three Days Grace put out an, a single called So Called Life. It just... The last good single Three Days Grace had was I Am Machine, and I, I'll even it. disagree with you on there. Anything that they've done, I forget the guy's name, but it was the guy from My Darkest Days who took over after uh, uh, after Adam, Adam Gontier. Yeah, yeah. After anything after Adam Gontier has been honestly kind of trash the, because yeah. it's just kind of been this weird marriage of My Darkest Days plus Three Days Grace, mm-hmm. and I, I've never really liked My Darkest Days because it always just sounds like he's like an edgy kind of guy trying to sing. And it just doesn't work. This feels <laughs> like he took the edge to the extreme. Okay. And I, I I hate the song. I think he's trying to go into the hair flip that I think Adam used to have. Probably. Uh, last thing I want to bring up uh, is this super cool like death grind band uh, that I discovered called Exercised Gods. 
they put out an album recently called Banished Into Conflagration, and oh my god, this album's heavy. Uh, I highly recommend it for anybody who really likes good breeze, good breakdowns, just all the squeals. It is phenomenal. I highly recommend listening to so it. So I got to listen to about 30 seconds of these guys before we started recording the podcast, and my god. My god. Yeah, it's it, so if you're good. a fan of heavy music, it's a really cool band. I mm-hmm. definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, with that being said, Matt, what do you got for us? So this is going to be pretty quick. Uh, November 19th is Adele released her new album titled 30. Um, from some of my understanding going into this is Adele had, I believe, stated that this record was supposed to be her explaining to her son about the divorce and just kind of where she was at. I've gone about halfway through. I listened. I didn't even know she was married. <laughs> she, <laughs> um, my problem is, is as I've heard some of the songs, and I, I might be taking it a little bit to face value, or just kind of like just taking the, the each line kind of one by one. I'm starting to feel. I kind of feel like some of the songs are actually just talking about her. Like, I don't really want to be tied down. And that's not really something that I'd want to communicate to my kid. So it's, I I have to give credit that it it feels like it's a very soulful record. Her voice is fantastic as it's always been. It's just some of the lyrical content has been a little off. And there was one or two of the songs that as I listened to it, I'm like, I don't, think I really want to listen to this anymore. And I was just listening to it as I was going to actually get food before I went into work this morning. And to be completely honest, I'm not 100% real jazzed about it. I'll probably try to listen through the rest of the record, at least try to get through it once, but I'm not really feeling it so far. I probably won't listen to it because I don't really like Adele. But I'll just blame, yeah. in that kind of general vein of like old school pop music, um, mm-hmm. I would recommend people going out and purchasing Taylor's versions of albums because oh, all this is doing yes. is Taylor reacquiring her own music that she should have the own rights to, that she doesn't have the own rights to because the music business is stupid. That's all I'm going to say about it because <laughs> otherwise I'm going to go into ranting and raving. So with that being said, we do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. Uh, YouTube, on TikTok, on uh, Facebook, and on Instagram. I'll worry about Twitter later. I don't really feel like dealing with that right now. <laughs> it's a rough season in life, so we're just going to go with that. But uh, be sure to tune in to us next week. I forget exactly what we're going to be doing, but I remember it's going to be a cool album. <laughs> it's good. Whatever it is, it's going to be, as we always say, spice. It is going to be a little bit of spice. <laughs> but uh, that being said, we will see you later. Catch you in the next one.